Welcome to the Humans Inside the Pods with Morgan O'Learon, a podcast exploring the power of community, one conversation at a time. Welcome, Elspeth. I'm really happy to have you on. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. Really excited. We've already had a call for another purpose but so I'm it's kind of like I have to kind of remind myself that I have to pretend that I don't know all the things you've already shared which is an interesting exercise Uh, but I'm super happy that we're doing this and that yeah you were uh, enthusiastic uh, about the podcast and um, yeah let's just start the way I always do and you can introduce yourself the way you want to Cool. Um, I'm Elspeth. I'm a freelance writer and marketing professional who's currently working remotely and traveling for six months through Europe. Um, I'm an avid baker. I love to run. I love animals. (laughs) And um, I am also recently very passionate about co-living. Awesome. I think maybe we can share or talk about uh, where you're from originally and yeah how your kind of story of your trip started or because I think you mentioned uh, once when we talked that you also live in sort of a closed community setup even though it's not a proper like proper it's not a co-living uh, per se so I, I remember being really interested in that and really wanted to know more so maybe we can start where you're usually based, I guess, home base, and then uh, and then go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so my home base is Toronto, Canada, and I honestly just got very lucky when we decided to move into our apartment. I knew I wanted to find a building that was small because I was looking for a sense of community in my neighborhood. I grew up in a small town where that sense of community was part of my everyday life. I know all my neighbors, I know all my neighbors' kids, even neighbors that have moved away, I'm still in touch with them. So that's what I wanted for my adult life as well. And we initially started meeting people in the building who had dogs because we're dog lovers. (laughs) So slowly started introducing ourselves to everyone on the elevator with dogs and found out that there was a little bit of like a dog community in our building where they all knew one another as well. And uh, I guess through getting to know people found out there was a social club in our building that was fairly active, um, which is quite unusual for condos in Toronto. These condominium buildings, they're basically just corporations. That's what the condominium is. And they usually, their only objective is to ensure that the living costs are reasonable and put out any fires, so to speak, like issues. But our condo board went above and beyond, arranged for different social activities and committees so that the community could get involved. So that was really cool to learn about and discover. And then lo and behold, right after COVID started, I got asked to be a member of the board. Somebody had to leave unexpectedly. Um, And so I got to be a member of our condo board, which just threw me headfirst into the community. I got to know everyone in the building. I got to know the ins and outs of what happens there. I was able to start a few of my own initiatives within the building. And even since my term has ended, before we left for this trip, we were on our six month of launching our new eco club in the building where a committee of like five of us meet every month to just work on different initiatives and plan different activities. So it's like an accident that it's such an active community and that we all get to know each other. It's really like organic because we all want to have that sense of community. So nothing formal about it. We all have our own apartments and just love spending time with each other. That's amazing. And so the building didn't even have like a shared space that you guys could hang out in or how how did you guys meet? Just the elevator? Yeah, the elevator. There is um, a shared library space. So one Mm -hmm. of the residents took it upon themselves to create like a free library in the building. So there are spaces where I've met with other people but primarily it's just been in the lobby, in the elevator. And then again, those social events are a good Mm. 
way to plan to meet together in different places. All right. And so you're saying that this is kind of like unusual. So I was going to ask uh, if, because I have noticed living in England, France, um, Sweden, that the, the culture uh, really plays a big part in how people interact. Uh, how is it in Canada? Like are people usually like, yeah, getting together or much more like keeping their distance out of respect or like, yeah, I don't know. I think that most Canadians are friendly. And so the tendency is always to say hello when you run into your neighbors in the elevator, in the lobby, in the street. I would say that most of them are closed off beyond that. So you wouldn't necessarily invite your neighbors over for a drink or plan a dinner or go to an event together. That's pretty uncommon, at least in big cities like Toronto. Um, all of my friends live in similar buildings and none of them have the same sense of community that we have. All right. Can you kind of like place your finger on what made your building so special? I think the biggest thing is the diverse community that we have. We have a, in the small building as well, I think, I mean, I say small, there are 182 units, some mm -hmm. of which are single occupancy, some are up to families of four, but um, this size makes it easy to run into the same people over and over, which helps versus some of the larger buildings. But also because of where we're located in the city, um, it's an old part of town that's up and coming and it attracts retirees who are looking to downsize and for something affordable as well as young people who are looking to move into an affordable but exciting neighborhood. And I think that the mix of ages has helped significantly. Having, like I mentioned, one of our retirees was the one who planned the library I don't think many people in my age group would necessarily be inclined to deal with physical books on that regular basis, but we use it now that it's there, which is awesome. Um, mm -hmm. And vice versa, some of the eco initiatives I brought to the building were really novel for people of different generations, but intriguing. And I think mm -hmm. that intrigue, that interest in something different brought us together. That and animals. We live near a park and there are a ton of animals. And I think that's such an easy way to like make friends is if you love animals, you instantly have something in common. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I just came back from walking my dog and there were like, you know, 10 other dogs in the park and start chatting with people. So yeah, of course, I fully agree with that. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. So you mentioned size, location, generations, pets. It's interesting. Um, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think one, once one person starts something, it kind of like snowballs in like encouraging other people to like seeing it and being like, oh yeah, that's nice. I could do this or I could join this. So it's, a, it's often it's very much about having this one person who dares to do something for the first time, right? Yeah, yeah. and I, I can see that too. One of our um, friends and neighbors, Henry, he moved into the building when it first was formed and really was the one he joined the board the day that he was able to started the social committee and has encouraged everyone he meets to get involved. And I really think if it wasn't for him being so passionate about it, it wouldn't have started. Like it needs to start yeah. with somebody. So I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that's, that's very lucky to move into such a, such a space. I wish my, my building Right. Uh, it was more like that. We've tried. We've tried at the beginning, but nothing really took off. Uh, I think London is a really tough city. And people are nice. I mean, it's nothing wrong about the people. It's just that they all have their own life. They're super busy. That's just the way it is, I guess. Um, all right. But then let's uh, maybe talk a little bit about the trip you're on and how that uh, started. <laughs> Yeah, it, after describing how idyllic my building is, it, it would be a surprise that I would want to leave, probably. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, I really think that, I mean, I just love traveling. Um, I just love discovering new places and new things and new food, especially new food. That's always a really fun part of it. 
and I was missing that. And like, I think a lot of millennials, it was not financially feasible for us to go back and forth on multiple trips or to go for a short time and pay our rent abroad and at home. And so we kind of, the idea for this trip was born out of necessity where we realized we needed to be able to sublet our apartment in order to travel. And we decided the minimum sublease time is six months. And so that was that we were going to have to find something to do for six months abroad. And we've been doing it since January. We've been traveling and working remotely. Um, And I think the working remotely was a big part of it as well. We were interested in taking advantage of what we suspected might be the last few months or last year of working remotely without question (laughs) and wanted to get out there as soon as possible. That seems to kind of be a trend that's changing, but I think it was still a good motivation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, okay, I just read a couple of days ago that Airbnb now told all their employees that they can work remotely forever. Um, So I think, yeah, some companies are kind of really diving into that and being like, sure, let's just go for it. I mean, I guess in a way you don't have to pay for offices, like there might be a lot of perks for them as well. Um, Yeah, do you know if you're going to be able to continue uh, being remote or... Funny enough, we were meant to go back to the office in January. And so I had to get special permission from my bosses to go on this trip for six months from January till July. Lo and behold, January rolled around. We had an Omicron surge and our company essentially decided the same, that we're going to remain 100% remote. So that's like also helped to change how I'm thinking about my own work and how I'm thinking about my own future and like my own community as well, you know, it's, yeah. I think it's become more of an international community in my mind because of that. Like I'm not limited to a certain square kilometer radius anymore. Yeah. And so when you start planning the trip, so it's you and your partner, Ari, right? Uh, how did, I mean, of course, like you wanted to go to Europe and see, I'm assuming a lot of places um what did you have in mind in terms of community like you're saying I mean I think okay it's two questions in one because it's also the fact that you guys are a couple maybe the idea of oh I need to meet people is a bit less important I'm just assuming here because you're not alone and so you have less uh, this feeling of, oh, I'm going to be lonely uh, working from whatever Airbnb I'm renting. Um, so yeah, how did that come into your decision of where you're going to be? Or maybe not. Okay, that question was very complicated. Uh, good, <laughs> the though. way I phrased it, but I hope you understand what I mean. Yeah, I think, um, so I had lived abroad twice before, once for a teaching job for a year and once on an exchange. And I know exactly what you're describing. I had met friends that are still my friends to this day. But when you go back to your apartment at night, especially in the places that I was staying where I didn't know any of my neighbors, it was lonely. There were a lot of like Tuesday nights where you finish work and come home and there is nothing to do and no one to talk to. And it was not fun. There were a lot of really amazing parts about it, but there were a lot of parts where I was missing home and missing that community that I knew I was really lucky to have. So when we were planning this trip, I knew it would be better by having my partner there, but I was still really concerned because for me, a community is more than two people. It really was about our extended community. Um, I There are just certain things that I need uh, my friends for, or my mom for, or my sister for, or my grandmother, or my neighbor that, um, I get different things from different people. So that was actually like a real concern of mine when we were planning this is, okay, I'm really excited to go traveling and I'm aware that it'll be less lonely than last time, but I'm still really skeptical about doing it. Um, We had tried to kind of combat that by planning to visit my friends. But again, with COVID, it was very difficult to figure out 
when we could do it and how we could do it safely. And so that's kind of how we stumbled into this idea of doing co-living and co-working. It was a way for us to meet people and um, have like activity around us. That and also every time that we've been in a place because we haven't been doing co-living the whole time, we've really made an effort to meet people in the local town with some success and some not so great <laughs> experiences with it, depending on like the language barrier. <laughs> My yeah, German is not good, so <laughs> for instance. But yeah, it, it was definitely a big, leaving the community and having a community abroad was a big concern and like a focus of how we planned. Mm. Super interesting. I um I left my job and apartment seven years ago now to go traveling for nine months with my partner at the time. And that sounds bad, but I, I don't think we ever considered like actively, like, you know, like consciously thought, oh, we need to create a community. Uh, okay, to be honest, we were not work like remote workers. We were just traveling. So maybe that also, it's a different routine um and we ended up actually meeting people and making friends uh but yeah it was completely not on our agenda like let's uh let's create a community around us so it's it's funny how things change because nowadays if i had to travel again i would completely like have a different approach and think about okay where am i gonna go who am i gonna meet there like it's uh yeah but i think yeah the working part has a, has a very big role to play because when you know you're going to have to work while traveling you you also need these routines right do you because i remember i have uh, in the little form that i ask uh, that i ask people to fill in before they, they join the podcast uh, i ask if people have topics that they want to talk about and I, I i saw that you mentioned location independence uh, versus digital nomads and I think that's a very interesting like differentiation. And I would love to hear uh, what you think and how you consider yourself. Mm. So I guess I would call myself a location independent worker, but I don't think that you can really mi misuse the term digital nomad. When we started this trip, I, Oh, I had such a strong sense of community that I knew eventually I wanted to go home. I knew I didn't want to be fully nomadic. And I felt really like lucky and very grateful that I had a community at home that I was going to miss. Even now I'm grateful that it's there for me when I want it. Um, so digital nomad didn't feel right, but what I am doing and the people I've met along the way are people who are digital nomads, and I say that with quotations because they're not always nomadic either. I thought that to be a digital nomad, you had to have no apartment, no ties to home and just be fully remote forever. But what I've learned through meeting people is that there are a lot more remote workers who do this for a few months at a time and still have strong ties to like a particular place. One couple we met, um, they didn't have their own apartment, but they had a room at one of their parents' house that was like their apartment. Whenever they needed a break for a few yeah. months at a time, they'd go so they could be there for like birthdays and holidays and things like that. So that's sort of where the idea, um, somebody else introduced it to me at one of our co-livings, the idea of a location independent worker where you are not tied to a particular location when you're working. And the mm. fact that that's like a little bit more of a broad and open-ended term versus digital nomad. I think having a different perspective on it might bring more people into that digital nomad community, which Absolutely. would be awesome, more people. <laughs> yeah, I think we may have this misconception of digital nomad also because of what we've been shown you know i mean on instagram or on like documentaries i remember seeing okay that was maybe last year but seeing this like short documentary on french tv where they went to interview like digital nomads in bali 
French French nomads in Bali and honestly it made it look so horrible not horrible in this I mean of course really nice you're in Bali you get to work there but the angle that the documentary took made that these people look like I mean sorry but like real like not nice people really people who are just like taking advantage of the people in Bali like not really integrating with locals and it just didn't look nice and I think there's a lot of people who might have this like a bit negative vision of yeah westerners just going to this paradisiac island and working from the beach which I think does not really I mean is not really comfortable and sustainable at all um so I think we I mean we have to we do whatever but it would be helpful uh for the digital nomad community to to see a bit more realistic uh sorry my pen uh pictures right it's like it's not all butterflies and rainbows and uh yeah it's it's also a lot of uh work and working from the office and working from inside the apartment that you're renting Uh, spending a lot of time on the computer researching places to eat and to find wi-fi and yeah I mean you know (laughs) I can see you're noting (laughs) yeah I remember I had a, a writing assignment due in like three hours and we had just like landed in Bordeaux and we had to immediately try to find a cafe that would first of all let us sit for hours and second of all had that strong enough wi-fi and it was very stressful it was not glamorous like right looking back it appears glamorous in my mind we're sitting looking at this cathedral drinking coffee but in the moment I was so concerned it stressed out <laughs> yeah yeah so I think, definitely a balance yeah 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 it's not easy I think I saw a really similar documentary but it was about German digital nomads also in Bali <laughs> so funny that you bring this up um and what I found was really weird about it well not weird about it but I didn't identify with the people in it at all that's why I never like thought that I would be doing something like this it sort of again like snowballed we had one idea about traveling and then needed to finance it and then okay I can't get time off work so we're gonna work remote one thing after another but I never identified with that a lot of them were people who were um single first of all Um, They were either much younger or much older than me, and they were committed to this lifestyle for like life. So for 10 Mm. years or whatever, they'd been doing it. So I just, I never saw myself in that. And I remember distinctly looking at it and thinking, oh my God, what am I getting myself into? (laughs) I was worried that I was going to not enjoy like traveling and working, but it's funny because their reality is so different. I have met so many people who travel with their partners, which that to me was like the biggest shock that you don't have to be a single 21 year old. You can be in your thirties, forties, fifties, and you can have a partner, you can own a house somewhere and you can still travel. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to say it, honestly, like it sounds so obvious, but yeah we don't see that a lot we or if we do I mean okay maybe I'm looking at the wrong stuff but if I do see couples then it's going to be couples on Instagram that have bought a van and they've completely redone it and it looks so beautiful and they have like six dogs in there and they just stop wherever and surf and I'm like wow and they make like you know six digits on you know being some kind of freelancer and I'm like what is this life how do I do that but then I don't at the end of the day I don't really want that but yeah so it it sells you dreams but it's not the right dream for me but it's still very kind of like you can't help being attracted to maybe the aesthetic of it Mm -hmm. um but you I mean like you say I don't identify uh with this at all and so it's a bit strange and it's funny because my one of the person I work with asked me recently, do you consider yourself a digital nomad? And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, so wow. not. I mean, I'm, I'm in London most of the time. But then he was saying, yeah, but you've been traveling every month. And it's true. This year, I've actually been in a different place every month. 
And I was like, oh, right. And I've been working at the same time while I was traveling. What does that make me? And yeah, I guess it makes me a independent, location independent uh, worker because it's hard for me to say I'm a digital nomad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly the thing. And I really am excited about the idea of it being more open to other people. One thing that I think was really formative, actually two things. First of all, one of your episodes where you talked about a single mom in Australia who does co-living, that really opened my eyes to the fact that co-living is not just for young people, single people, or people without kids. And then on my travels, I met a mom who was traveling. Her kids Amazing. were old enough to be on their own and she was working and traveling and that was that. And I, I just, yeah, I think the location independent worker term is broader and allows people who would not normally identify as a digital nomad to become a part of the community. And I think it just hmm. is gonna add more diversity, you know, different age groups, people with and without children, people with and without partners even people with pets. Like I've talked to so many people who have pets and who don't want to travel, but uh, also do at the same time, like they don't want to leave their pet. And I think yeah, it'd be great if, if they thought of it a little bit differently, like maybe they could be a part of the community. Yeah. Pets and all, Absolutely. as I'm sure yeah. you understand. <laughs> I do, I do. I wish it would, it would be, for me, I, I think I wish it would be easier to, to get out of England uh, with a pet. Uh, I think it's more of the regulation around, uh, yeah, getting your pet on the boat or on the train is a bit complicated. The joy of living on an island. But um, yeah, definitely. would love to be able to travel a bit more with, uh, with Zuko. Um, let's uh, uh, talk a little bit about uh, where you ended up uh, going on your, your, I mean, the trip you're still uh, on <laughs> in Europe, because now you're in Germany. Last time we talked, you were in Spain. And the first time we met, you were in Switzerland. So I'm, I'm excited. I mean, met, yeah, uh, online. So I'm excited to, to hear about, yeah, that little uh, part of the journey and where, where you stayed and how that impacted uh, your, your trip. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is really good. I think I'll even start in the very beginning. Um, yeah. We did a stopover in Iceland that was more of a vacation. So we just stayed in a regular old hotel. So full caveat, we started the vacation, the trip like normal people. We were not experts <laughs> in this when we began. But um, I found out about this really interesting concept of pet house sitting, which is what I'm doing now and where we started the trip. And that was really cool because, again, it showed me that people who have pets still want to travel and still can travel. But also it allowed us to do slow travel. So we stayed in a small town in Brittany in northwestern France for six weeks, which was really great. Being in that same place for so long, again, it allowed us to establish routines. We knew the baker. We knew the people at the pool. We met some friends in town and we got to really become a part of the community, which was amazing. After that, we went to Paris for a day and then straight to Swiss Escape. So we had like a little transition period where I had to work out of a hotel. Cause again, I didn't know what other options there were <laughs> until I went to Swiss Escape, which we had chosen it simply because it seemed like a great combination of being able to ski and being able to work from a reliable workspace. That was something that I'd been missing even when we were in a house. It was a couple who were retired, and so they just didn't have the infrastructure for somebody who needed to work on their computer at a desk during the day. <laughs> so that was really exciting to be in a place that was designed for me. It was high-speed internet, great views to look out from, ergonomic chairs, and steps from the ski hills. So that was amazing. Um, but what I didn't expect when we were there is how much fun it was working with other people. It was such a blast to be able to lift your head from your computer and just turn and talk to somebody or have somebody else make the pot, pot of coffee that you could drink on your coffee break. It was amazing and people to go out pre ski with and go out on weekends with. And I missed that immensely. So we were originally just going to go to an Airbnb after that. 
but because we had such a good experience, we pivoted. And instead, we went to another co-living in Spain called Sudden Co, which was really fun. Um, on the way there, we did another house it in southwestern France, way out in the middle of nowhere. There are 10 houses in the town. Oh, wow. That was a lot of fun. Not enough time to build a community in 10 days, for sure. But it was still a great experience. A few days in Barcelona, where we again had to work out of a hotel, which I would not recommend unless absolutely necessary. Mm. And then into the next co-living, co-working space, where again, we had people to hang out with, desks to work at, high-speed internet, and just people who understood what I was doing. It helped me not feel so crazy. Um, all the retirees that I tried to explain what I was doing to as we cared for their pets did not understand whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Um, then from Sun & Co, we stopped over in Madrid before flying here to Karlsruhe, Germany. I'm pronouncing that terribly, but I'm not going to attempt the German pronunciation. I, mean, I do not speak a word of German, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> But we're here um, for three weeks watching some more pets. And again, I think it's it's really fun having the animals around and um, living in a community where you can build a routine, but it's so much harder to meet people mm. that, versus living in a co-living. So this is one of the last things that we had planned last year before we left. The rest of our trip is still very much out in the open. And we're planning on doing a few more co-livings and specifically visiting and staying with friends because I've missed them immensely, like my friends from before. <laughs> um, so we're off to like London and uh, we're going to a co-living in Italy. We might go to another co-living in Portugal. We're doing a co-living outside of Berlin. So a lot of stops in the future. <laughs> That's so cool. And uh, so how do you find these co-livings? So you found Swiss Escape, um, understanding, right, that because you were looking for a place to work from, but also ski. Uh, and that's, I guess that's how Swiss Escape popped up. But how do you find the, the new ones now, like the one in Spain? And yeah. Once I had seen like the word co-living, co-working, I just started to Google it. I was like, oh, this is cool, a place where I can work and started to search for those terms like crazy and got really lucky. But I think the majority of it has been word of mouth. I think I found a bunch of different co-livings and co-workings online. Um, but even those terms, I think they mean so many different things. So to find the place that was right for what we needed, which is... Yeah. Um, a little shorter term and, you know, designed for working specifically during the day was really just through other people at Swiss Escape at first and then their friends and their friends' friends who mm. passed on recommendations. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, I mean, I, I, I work with co-living. So, I mean, even I Googling co-living, co-working, you can end up with so many. It's overwhelming. And it's like how to find one that, you know, I mean... It's like everything else you never really know but yeah i think word of mouth, mouth is amazing because that you can tell oh i'm going here because this person was there and then you know somehow it creates this network of like i'm gonna say digital nomads or like <laughs> uh you know remote workers who kind of like go follow each other in like uh, different uh sequences so it's quite fun um i had a question and then as i was speaking i forgot about it <laughs> is there anything you want to um, add from what we've already talked about is there any topic that you want to address um the one thing i keep thinking about is what we talked about last time which is i think like a uniquely female or woman problem which is the idea that when you get to a certain age, you should start to want to settle down <laughs> and have children and stay home. Yes. And that sounds like very, very outdated, but I had so much resistance from people when we were planning this trip. And I think that is something else I want to make sure anybody else who listens to the podcast knows is that it is okay to not do what you see in movies and to do something different. 
And there are other people out there who are doing it too. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really important to point out. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've discussed it, but yeah, it's funny how even if I don't really have people around me that are like pressuring me or anything, it doesn't really matter. I mean, any any social media, any platform with any type of information is somehow projecting that vision. I mean, that image of uh, a successful uh, woman, right? Is a woman who has a career, a woman with, uh, I don't know, uh, at least two kids because also it's not just like having kids it's like if you have just one kid you're like oh you can't have just one kid you have to have two kids but then if you have four kids it's like oh it's too many kids or I mean it's just no matter what you do it feels like you're always like failing somehow and you also have to have a healthy relationship and you have to have a house that is always clean and mm-hmm. I don't know it feels like sometimes we're still in the 50s when it comes to what is expected uh, of a of a woman so I love like yeah anytime we can show a different way of doing things and it sounds crazy to think that a woman traveling and working and being independent is a different way <laughs> it should be the way I don't know um, but yeah it's important to, to to point out that this is possible and mm-hmm. a lot of people are actually doing it uh, we don't tend to see them but they're there yeah yeah exactly I think that like you said the people I see are the people who are doing it the traditional way and yeah I I don't think anybody has directly pressured me but I didn't get support I feel like that's usually what happens when I was when I got married and didn't have kids for several years nobody said anything negative about it but everyone was surprised. (laughs) And when I said I wanted to go traveling for six months and maybe take a step back from my marketing career to pursue other passions, I didn't get any negativity, but I didn't get any support whatsoever. And I think that's like, to me, a symbol of the fact that they're not excited about it. They're not supportive if they're not showing support, even if they're not saying it. Yeah, I guess maybe it's uh, people are scared of what they don't know, right? And they don't know how to react to something that is not, I guess, traditional. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like the idea that, okay, my sister probably will have kids. I mean, she wants kids, so I, I wish that for her to to have some. Um, and I like the idea that I can be the the aunt that shows that there's another way. I mean, not that they have to follow my way, they can do whatever they want, but uh, to show that there are options, right? I think I like mm-hmm. that, that idea for sure. And I'll definitely support <laughs> if they want to do something a bit different. Um, yeah, it's strange. It's strange that we're in 2022 and, uh, and yet we still feel, and I started following more people who, yeah, don't necessarily want to have kids or maybe not right now or are still like questioning uh, all the things that we're talking about, uh, all the traditional ways of doing things. And it's, I, I at first I was like, I'm just going to follow, see what's going on. But actually I've realized how helpful this has been for me, uh, following these accounts on Instagram or like registering to newsletters. Uh, it really made me realize that I am not exposed to that uh, on a you know, normally, and I really have to get out of my ways to bring that into my, uh, you know, into my life. And it really changed my, uh, what's the term? Like, I don't know, it makes me feel happier about my life choices, which in a way is a bit sad that I need like confirmation from someone else. But I think it, it's maybe we're going back to this sense of community, even though it's not a, a physical community. People are not, these people are not here with me, but I've been feeling a bit lonely uh, in this lifestyle because my closest friends are not uh, doing this. And so I needed that sense of community and now I've somehow found it, even though we're not like, it's not like I'm talking on a daily basis with these people, but I have this sense of there are other people out there who uh, share my views. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on that. 
Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's just feeling like you belong, like you're not the only one, you're not alone. It provides mm -hmm. a sense of community, even if you're not together. And I agree, that's kind of what it's been like, just meeting other people who are working and traveling remotely. And like I said, they come from so many different walks of life that it's just made me realize that I'm not alone in feeling different. And also we all are different. And that is what makes us the same. And it makes me feel better. <laughs> about doing these kind of like crazy things. I know I mentioned too, like I'm very lucky that I have a really tight knit community at home, but I also think yeah. part of that means that they're on a different path than me and I love mm. their path for them and I'm supportive of it. But if mine is different, mine is different. I, I also want to mention too, because I feel like this is a hot button issue, but there are so many different people that are dealing with infertility. I myself have endometriosis, which I know is more and more popular in the media now. And I think it's important to recognize that sometimes you have to just make the best of the cards you're dealt. And that's, you know, it's great to know that there are other things out there that can be fulfilling and rewarding and give you a sense of family and belonging. That's so cool. That just makes, the pressure and stress feel so much less. I love that you're saying that. Thank you so much for sharing. I think it's, yeah, it's so important for people, for, for people to hear this. And I wish we could change the narrative around what it is to be a fulfilled woman. Uh, I, like you're saying, there's so many different stories, right? There are women who want to have children and can, there are women who don't want to have children and it shouldn't be, yeah, I don't know. Somehow it's all about if you have them or not, right? But there are so many other things in life. And yeah, I mean, you said it best, so I'm not going to repeat what you said, but it's just, yeah, changing the narrative around that. Uh, and and exploring new ways of feeling fulfilled uh it doesn't need to be uh like we don't need to have a, a value system of oh that's better than having children or children are better than you know traveling or whatever it, it's just it's different things and we're exploring different things and we're doing different things and it, it's bringing us different things and it's okay uh we're still like we're whole and we're still uh humans and and we're doing the best we can with what we have, like you said. And it would be nice to hear a bit more of that rather than like judgment and comparison and like, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think on both sides too. Like I love my niece and nephew and I'm so happy to, I FaceTime them all the time, which they find wildly entertaining to talk to us <laughs> on video from different countries with different animals, different people around. <laughs> I think it's just like a matter of, being able to choose the life that is possible for you. And I definitely feel like this trip has sort of changed my idea of what's possible for me. I love that. That's so, it's such a good, um, when I when I moved into my co-living, it was a residential co-living, so it's slightly different from what we're talking about, but it's exactly how I felt. I think it made me realize that what's possible for me is it's much more than I thought it was before I moved there. Uh, and, and in a way, this trip has done that to you. So yeah, it's, uh, and when I was in the, in that co-living, I kept saying I'm traveling less, but I'm traveling within. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think travel, whether it is actual travel, going to different places and meeting new people or traveling within yourself and exploring a new aspect of who you are, the, just a great way to uh, expand the possibilities for for your life Absolutely. i agree i also think something i've experienced in co-livings in particular is that you attract people from different nationalities so even in my week in switzerland i was learning about hungary romania switzerland of course germany france and i was getting to like you said travel but within the community of people as well <laughs> yeah which was really fun i just loved seeing like the different 
yeah, the different like types of perspectives that it brings when you're like living in that environment. And I think it's what, as I mentioned in the beginning, obviously Canada is a really multicultural place and it's one of my favorite things about it. And I think it's also one of the reasons that we had that sense of community in our building is because of the diverse backgrounds that people come yeah. from too. Mm, yeah, it's very important. Otherwise we tend to also become a bubble and that has its uh, downside as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, we only have 10 minutes uh, left and I still have so many questions, but I wanted to uh, quickly talk about what you mentioned in the form as well about uh, launching your own co-living in Canada that is super exciting and I want to hear about this yeah so this I kid you not I was meditating one day and I just said why am I not doing this at home it just popped into my head that thought because we've been having such a great time and we haven't been meeting a lot of people from North America and that kind of struck me as well. I was like the first Canadian that a lot of people were meeting or for some people like the first North American. And I don't know, I just wanted to, I didn't want to have to leave behind all of these like amazing things I was getting by living in co-livings and traveling. So me and my partner have decided to do our own pop-up co-living and co-working um, in Collingwood. Canada, uh, which is like a small kind of traditionally ski town, but beautiful in the summer as well, right on the water. And we're planning to invite some of our friends that we met through our travels, some of our friends at home and offer them the opportunity to experience a little bit of what we had. Um, mm -hmm. So for now, it's sort of um, an, I wouldn't say by invitation only, but really we're just sort of spreading it through word of mouth we don't have any formal yeah. website or anything like that but it's something that we really want to try and see if we can bring it to to canada to toronto to ontario just because it's not it's not something that we have and it's something that i love and i just would love to share it with people at home how did you find the space because that's usually the the biggest issue right it's like where to do it <laughs> The funny thing is, is there are so many humongous chalets. I mean, a lot of things are just huge in Canada. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> we have space, they just build huge things. So there are these like huge, like eight, nine, 10 bedroom houses everywhere that normally over the holidays or during the ski season, families with kids would all come and rent together. Mm. Um, so we have a place there that has many bedrooms some of them dorm style some of them not um, but it was actually really really easy um, and that's sort of where the idea came from you know I, I remember so many ski seasons or like weekends trying to get enough people to want to come and rent a place with me and never being able to fit at like everyone or mm -hmm. not being able to sorry find a place um that we could fill I should say yeah and so yeah finding the place was easy <laughs> All right, that's super cool. And so how many people can you have in that one? And how long do you think you're going to run it for? This one will be 12 people. We're going to start oh, wow. with, I think, two weeks. Um, I think two weeks is sort of like the minimum amount of time I would recommend in a co-living. It'll yeah. be two weeks, three weekends. And then go from there if it's something that we feel like the energy is right, the community feels right, then we definitely want to continue it oh awesome i mean i really want to catch up with you then and see how it's going i think it would be really exciting to see this uh, pop-up co-living for sure uh, and you're right canada i'm trying to think if i can think of any i've definitely haven't talked to anyone from canada but i think there was something called nomad co-living uh but i'm not sure where they are and i think in I don't know if there are no, I mean, yeah, there must be for nomads since they're called nomad co-living, duh, Morgan. Um, yeah, I don't remember where they're located. Canada is so big. It, it is very big. There, there are actually, I originally was looking in Toronto because that's where we're from. Collingwood is close to my heart because we have a family cottage there. So we go skiing there quite mm. a bit as well. But um, in Toronto, there are two co-livings however they are run by large corporations who are in it to make a profit they are yeah 
they are, I mean, if you look at the promotional videos, they're typically older investors who have bought property and are renting it to millennials who can't afford to rent other places. So it's not exactly the vibe that we're going for. We want it to be like a collaborative space. Yeah. Where we can kind of like learn from one another and, you know, all be on equal footing in the space as well. Yeah, so I think it's going to be a very interesting, uh, an interesting journey for you guys as well, being the one who kind of run it, launch it, and still want to, like you say, be on an equal footing. I think that's always a very interesting uh, dance, right? It's like, yes, we are launching and running the place, but it doesn't mean we're the one who have to, you know, do the dishes all the time and stuff like that. Uh, so that's always very, very interesting in terms of like human behaviors, I feel. But then, I mean, I, I think I definitely want to do a follow-up call when you guys have the, the co-living running. I think it'd be really exciting. Um, yeah. But for now, I guess I can ask you my last question then. What makes a home for you? Oh, this is a good question. I was thinking about this a little because I knew that you ended the podcast like this. And I, this is so cheesy, but I really feel like home is where the heart is. Um, but maybe not in the traditional sense. I feel like my heart is in many pieces all over with the people I care about. And when I'm with them, wherever we are, it feels like home. I love it. I mean, I think it's cheesy. We say it's cheesy, but I mean, everyone tends to say that, right? It's like, it's like cliches are cliches for a reason, right? People, because it's true. So I agree. And I like the idea of the heart being in different pieces. I, I, I feel that a lot too. It's like I've lived in many places and I've really felt at home in many places. So it's hard to mm -hmm. just pick one. Yeah, I don't think I Thank could. You. Like I said, there's a piece of me in every place I visited with all the people I met. So it's nice. I have many homes. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for this. I wish you the best on the, the remaining of your travel. I'm going to try and keep up with uh, where you are. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your thank story. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, thanks for putting together this incredible podcast of cool people. That was the Humans Inside the Pods with Morgan O'Learon. Make sure to join our mailing list so you don't miss an episode. Link in our bio.